Well, I suppose it's my turn. <laughs> Let me take a drink. Thanks, Dad. Get me all emotional before I start. Well, I just want to also, uh, my in-laws are here as well, Jazz's mom and stepdad, so thank you for being here. Whew, what a morning, eh? I feel like I don't even have to say anything because Jay, I don't even know where he is. Oh, here he is. The songs have just been so wonderful, uh, just theologically rich and kind of has already preached what uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to say this morning. So everything I say will not necessarily be new, uh, but uh, hopefully it will be helpful. But I did want to start off by just saying how excited I am to be here this morning. Not just excited for this morning, but for the next number of mornings, however God, or however, however long God has Jazz and I here ministering. But just so excited for, for the beginning of this next season and chapter of ministry for both uh, Jazz, my family, but also for us as a church. It's been such a joy and a privilege uh, to walk through the hiring process. It, it honestly was wonderful uh, getting to walk alongside Pastor John and some of the elders and staff, uh, some of you guys. Uh, it's, it has been awesome. And so again, so excited to be here. Uh, both Jazz and I have sensed, and my dad alluded to this, that we have sensed God's leading in this. We've sensed his peace, and we've also sensed his delight, which is an amazing thing when you get to experience the delight of your heavenly father. I also wanted to say that I'm humbled. I'm so humbled to get to be part of this church to be part of what God wants to do in and through this church for his glory, for our good in this city and hopefully to the ends of the earth. And this morning I have the opportunity to share about worship. Uh, I'm a big expectation guy. My wife will attest to that, that I like knowing expectations. I just find it helpful. I don't know if it's a control thing, maybe. Uh, but I like to have clear expectations. And so what I want to do this morning is just clarify some expectations. Number one, I want to define worship biblically so that you guys know what I mean when I, mean worship, when I say worship. I also want to clarify maybe some expectations that you guys can have of me as we come on Sunday mornings and as we gather. And yes, thirdly, I have expectations of you guys. Don't get scared. I think you're going to be okay. But first and foremost, what is worship? If you were to think about that question in your mind for a minute, what, what comes to mind? Is it okay if I ask people to shout something out? Cool. What do you guys think worship is? Help. Help. Okay. Singing. Praise. Describing to God the glory that he deserves. Yeah. Nice. Friendship, sweet. Yeah. Let's take one more. Living godly. Living godly. Nice. Wonderful. I'm really glad it wasn't actually all centered around music. Because so often in the church, when we think about the word worship, we think about music. We have worship pastors. 
We have worship music. We go to church to worship. You'll often hear, and sorry, John, if I'm throwing you under the bus of a pet peeve of mine. I don't think you, I, I, I'm not saying you say this, but a pet peeve of mine is when a, when a pastor at the end of his message says, and now let's worship. And my thought is, what have we been doing the whole time? Because if we have music as our definition of worship, we are just missing out on so much of what I believe scripture has to say about worship is. So let's define worship. We're gonna talk about a 50,000 foot view of worship. Uh, One of the challenges that I had in prepping this was narrowing it down because obviously my degree is in worship arts and so I spent four years uh, learning the theology and all the fun stuff that comes with it. So I'm gonna really try hard. 50,000 view or foot view about worship is. Uh, We're gonna look at Romans 12, verse one. So if you can uh, open up your Bibles, if you have a copy of the scriptures, uh, either in a hard copy or on your phone, that would be great. I am gonna invite you to stand when you have it. Uh, I'll be reading from the ESV version, and I'm gonna take a drink. Well, let me read this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Jesus, we just come before you now, thankful for who you are. So thankful for the work that you've done on the cross, thankful for the work that you are continuing to do in our lives. Jesus, I pray uh, that you would be glorified this morning. It wouldn't be about me. It wouldn't be about anybody but you. Uh, Have your way in our lives. May I not get in the way of what you want to do this morning. We thank you for your word. And in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Thank you for doing that. Isn't it wonderful when the Bible is so clear? Paul is writing in the book of Romans here, and he literally gives us the definition of worship. We don't have to search very hard for it. He literally says at the end of this verse, this is your spiritual worship. Uh, Paul here is writing to the church in Rome, uh, and Romans 12 verse 1 is a hinge point in the book of Romans. What do I mean by that? Well, notice how it begins by saying, I appeal to you, therefore. Therefore is a hinge word. It means because of what I've just said. And so what Paul is doing here is, again, he's saying because of what I've just said, and what he's actually alluding to is the first two-thirds of Romans, Romans chapter 1 all the way through to the end of Romans chapter 11. Because of this, then this. And the first thing we learn about worship is that worship is a response. Well, what is the response? And he goes on. We're going to jump over by the mercies of God for a minute. And he says, our response to what I've just said is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul is contrasting or maybe setting up a new expectation of worship. In the Old Testament, uh, they would come to the tabernacle or the people of Israel and the Jews would come to the tabernacle. They would come to the temple and they would offer animal sacrifices uh, to be put to death in their place. But, But Paul here is saying, Our bodies are to be a living sacrifice. We no longer have to have animal sacrifices 
because Jesus was the final sacrifice. We no longer have to do that. And we instead are now presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. He's saying all of us, our entire lives. Notice Paul here is not talking about the church gathered on Sunday mornings. He's not talking about small groups. He's not talking about Christian activity necessarily as we gather. He's just talking about our lives. And what this means is that everything I do can be an act of worship. It's not just Sunday mornings. It's not just singing. It's not just prayer. Did you know that when you go to work, whatever you do for your nine to five, that can be an act of worship. Your hobbies, this, this one is a bit difficult for me, but the things you do for fun, God has created those things and we can do fun things. Yesterday, Jazz and I, uh, we got a couple days away. We got to go snowboarding. I feel God's delight when I snowboard. How cool is that? That we can snowboard to the worship of God. Our lives and our families, everything we do can be an act of worship to God. But the question is, is everything I do an act of worship? Well, not necessarily. Let's keep going. Biblical true worship is a response with my life, but it needs to be in the direction of God. Notice how he says, holy and acceptable to God. God. Uh, Bob Coughlin in a book uh, called Worship Matters says that worship is about what we love. What we love often determines what we worship. The thing that, or the thing or the things that we have value, uh, that we give priority, that we orient our lives around. If I had a boat, which I don't, and I spent every evening, every weekend talking about my boat, uh, I don't know, spending all my extra money, disposable income on my boat, being on my boat, you guys would be like, man, that guy worships his boat, right? Because that's what it's about. It's orienting our lives. But, but Paul here is saying that we need to orient our lives around God, that God is to be our highest value. He is the one we're to love. And our response of our entire lives is to him. And then the third thing we see is kind of our motivation, and we'll jump back here to by the mercies of God. Again, Paul has said, therefore, and he's referring, what are the mercies of God? What he's described in chapters one through chapters 11. It's the gospel. It's what Jesus has done for us. There's so much that Jesus has done. I just wanna just mention three things. One, first and foremost, Jesus has made a way for us to be in relationship with God. By him dying on the cross, again, we no longer have to die ourselves, but Jesus has done that. He has died on the cross. And so we can be a living sacrifice when we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. He has made a way. And in that, he's the one that actually makes our worship holy and acceptable. Notice how Paul does say that, that our lives are to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, but it's only in Jesus that our lives of worship can be holy and acceptable. But Jesus also reveals who God is. He reveals to us, uh, Colossians 1 says that he is the image of the invisible God. That Jesus reveals to us who God the Father is. And so as we look at this verse, I'm gonna define worship for us. Worship is a response with all of my life to God based on who he is, and what he's done. So my life, I respond to God because of who he is and what he's done in every aspect 
of my life, including Sunday mornings. We see this example of worship all throughout scripture. Uh, Exodus 34, it's when God reveals himself to Moses. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive uh, the Ten Commandments, and God reveals himself. And after he does so, Moses' response, it says, is falls down and worships. Isaiah 6, where God calls Isaiah into ministry to be a prophet. Isaiah sees God, and his response is confession. Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. He recognized God's holiness and his own sin. His response was confession. Matthew 2, when the Magi come to be with or meet Jesus, they recognize him as king, and they fall down and worship. Matthew 28, when the disciples see Jesus after being resurrected, they fall down and worship. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful, again, another act of worship, gratitude for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and, then, or, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Again, worship is a response to who God is and what he's done. And again, we see that in Jesus. So now we have kind of the expectations, if you will, of what the definition of worship is. It's this response to God for who he is and what he's done. And we saw some biblical, there's, um, there's like so many biblical examples. Again, if this is the Bible's definition of worship, we, she, we should see these things play out in scripture, and they do. But the other awesome thing, and this is what gets me excited, but one of the values of Temple Baptist is the commitment to God's word. This is already happening in this church, the leadership has set this up for you. Can I give you a couple examples of how this is playing out in this church already? The statement, we are for Cambridge because God is for the world. That's a worship statement. God is for the world, and so we are for the world. I love it. It's one of the first things that was like, oh, wow, that would be kind of neat. I, I like that. It got me excited about being part of this church. Let's look at the core values. Can anybody, little test for everyone. Uh, if you were at the business meeting, not, sorry, annual celebration. I got to change my language. Uh, can anybody tell me what the three core values are? Jay hit it home. Love, connect, serve. Yes, awesome. Love God, connect with one another, and serve the community. Those are worship things. Because God is loving, because God has loved us, we respond by loving God. Because God is a relational God and he has made a way for us to be in relationship with him, we are in relationship with others. We connect. Jesus says, I have not come to serve but to be a servant. Because of Jesus, I serve. Again, it's awesome. Like, so excited about what God is doing in this church and will continue to do in this church. So again, we've laid down the expectation of what worship is. It gets me fired up. Now, what can you expect of me on Sunday mornings? I just, I realized that I've just like explained what worship is, and I said it's not necessarily music, but let's be honest, I have been hired to, to do music, uh, and that's okay. But I, there, but I see it as greater than just leading worship on a Sunday morning. Much of what I will do, and what I, my hope is to do, and what you can expect of me, is that, again, it's not just about music. My hope is that as we gather corporately together, again, we are worshiping here today. This is part of our worship, gathered corporately. And again, Jay has 
this is a great example of what it looks like is that the time we spend together will connect us with God, show us who he is, what he's done, and give us an opportunity to respond to who he is. That's my hope, that when we come on Sunday mornings, that we'll have an opportunity to experience who God is, to, to like meditate on that, and respond appropriately through more than just music, through his word, through prayer, through confession, through thanking him, all of these things. That's what you can expect of me. Now, what, can, what do I expect of you to come prepared to respond? Responding to who God is appropriately is a choice that we have to make. The Holy Spirit stirs in our hearts to worship God, but we need to be prepared to say yes. There are examples in scripture of yes, people responding appropriately. There are also examples in scripture of people who choose to respond inappropriately and disobediently actually. Jonah is a great example. Jonah knew exactly who God was. That's why he did not go to Nineveh. It wasn't because he didn't know who God was. He knew exactly that God was merciful. He knew exactly that God would be merciful to the Ninevites. And so he chose to run the other way. He chose to disobey. That was his response. The gospels are full of examples of people who don't respond to Jesus as the Messiah. Some of them even claim him as Messiah. We sang Hosanna. We read the triumphal entry. Many of those people who claimed him as Messiah and king on, the, on his way into Jerusalem turned around and said, crucify him. They did not respond appropriately. And so my expectations of you guys, as we gather, I'll do my part. I'll do my best. I'm not perfect. I'll do my best. But my expectation of you guys is that you come ready to respond to who God is as we meet with him, as he reveals himself through scripture, through song. Awesome. So excited. Again, worship is a response to God for who he is and what he's done in our lives. Can I pray one more time? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. There's so many things, God, that we could be thankful for. But Lord, I just thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to die on a cross that we might have a relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you reveal the Father to us, that we can know God the Father. Father, we can know you personally because of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you so much. Have your way in my life. Have your way in this church as we seek to be on mission with you, to help people come to know you and be disciples and to multiply, Jesus. We expect great things from you, God, and we love you. And it's all for your glory and our good. And in your name we pray, amen.